0: Hey friends! Welcome to the Confetti Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hinshaw. I believe that picture books open the magic for all readers. Today, open your heart and let all the book feels in. It's going to be so much fun. Let's open the magic episode of Confetti Moments, I have Melissa Tallman of Teacher Thrive. I'm so excited for you to get to learn from her today because she is the fluency guru. We are going to have such a wonderful conversation and you're going to learn so much. And to be honest, I'm ready to learn so much. So let's get started. Hi, Melissa. Why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Courtney. Um, First of all, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to chat with you. I am a former elementary school teacher, and I taught fourth and fifth grade for twelve years. I also did a little bit of science teaching um, for a, a special science program you're very familiar with. <laughs> yes. And um, and yeah, and I am. I got my master's in reading and became a reading specialist just about two or three years after starting my teaching career and so yeah i've always had a special place in my heart for reading especially when it comes to reading interventions and helping students who you know who just aren't performing to their fullest potential i think that's going to be so great for so many listeners and i mean i coming from upper grade down to primary i have learned so much about reading intervention this year And it's definitely a need that so many teachers, I think, are looking for resources and all the things to help them so that we can best help our kids, which is so important. So I'm so glad that you are somebody who knows so much about it that can help all of us. So speaking of reading and books, why do you think picture books are so important and how can they help a struggling reader? I love picture books because they really are just like these little digestible, perfect pieces of literature that contain so much content. They're so complex. They, um, they can hit on some pretty you know, heavy topics that you normally maybe wouldn't know how to approach or discuss with your students. And they're just so accessible to students. I think they're less intimidating for students to read they're just immensely valuable. I agree. You know, when we had that tragic tragedy happen a couple weekends ago now with Kobe and his daughter and all the people that were on that plane. And, you know, we live in Southern California and it's huge here. And I was like, I don't know how to talk about death with my kids. And I'm thinking, Courtney, you know what to do, go find a picture book. And it really helped me have such a courageous conversation with my kids because I was able to use a book that they understood and it was at their intellectual level. And we had a great conversation. And I don't know if that we would have had the same conversation if I didn't have a book to help me. Oh, that's so powerful. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't, I, you know, s- children just don't process things like adults do. And they sometimes, you know, they need help. They They don't even realize necessarily that something's affecting them negatively. And so it is so nice to have that tool when you do have a difficult topic that you need to discuss or address with your students, it's just ugh, I love them. Me love too. Them. All right, so let's go back to way back when. Not that we're old. That made us sound like we're old. I don't mean to sound that we're old. I'm old. <laughs> no, we're not. We're young. You're not um, when when I'm I'm old. <laughs> What were you like as a reader growing up? Um, I was a decent reader. I, um, I had, you know, I had like spurts of where I would be this really like ravenous reader and just, you know, read, read, read. And then I'd have times where I just didn't read at all and where I kind of actually became a pretty poor student. Um, And it was mostly due just to issues at home and having some dysfunction at home. And of course, like divorce and just me checking out, but, um, reading luckily was kind of a nice escape for me. And I was able to tap into that. So that always kind of tied me into it. Now was I always the best reader for, you know, academic purposes, not always, <laughs> but I would have years where I would just kind of thrive. And then years where it's kind of like, mm, you know, it was one more of the, like a growth year, I guess you could say, So I've always enjoyed reading, um, but not always was the best reader. I think it's so important that we, you know, highlight that because I think people think, oh, well, to be, to love reading, you have to be the best reader or it's not okay if, you know, sometimes you're like, yep, that book and I just didn't agree. And I think it's so important that kids know that like, you're going to go through times in your life where you're going to be like this voracious reader. And then you're going to go times where you don't pick up a book at all. And that's right. okay. That doesn't just, mean you're not a reader. Absolutely. Okay. So my next question is like the question I can't wait for you to answer. I have parent teacher conferences next week, and I'm going to just pretty much read what you say for this next question. <laughs> um, can you please help all listeners out there and all parents and all kids spread the good word that fluency does not mean to read quickly? Yeah. Um, we it's there's so there was a ton of studies done about how the number of words correct per minute is associated with comprehension. And I think that a lot of people in education got the idea, well, we just need to time students and have them like, you know, have these words correct per minute goals and reread and reread and reread and, re-read and time and time and time and I'm not saying that we shouldn't use timers and that we shouldn't record words correct per minute, but it definitely became this like huge focal point. And there are so much to reading fluency that is not related to speed. Um, And so one of the things I talk about a lot with the teachers I work with is prosody. And that's, I think, the most challenging aspect of reading fluency. And it really doesn't have a lot to do with speed. It's how we scoop together words so that we're phrasing correctly. It's related to expression, intonation, and that's really super tied into comprehension. So you, you'll you have those students who can read fast, but they're still maybe reading word for word. They're not scooping up phrases. They don't know when to pause um, unless there's a comma. They, they might pause at a comma, but there's a lot of phrase boundaries that are not marked by punctuation and they don't even recognize them because they're not understanding what they're reading. So, uh, it's a balance. I don't, I don't want to swing the other way and say, stop timing students. No timers allowed. That's definitely not the solution. That's still an important component, but you know, it's also about an expression. It's about comprehension and it's about accuracy as well. So I, um, I always emphasize that, you know, speed is just one, rate is just one component of reading fluency, um, and it cannot be the one thing we focus on. And there's a reason why we focus on it is because it yields this really great metric that we can measure and that we can use to compare. Um, It's really easy to assess, but um, we're really doing a disservice if we're just focused on speed. No, I agree. I mean, I think about myself as a reader, and I'm not a fast reader but I can comprehend what I can read. And so in our district, we use OTR and I was doing one the other day. And this little um, boy was reading super slowly, but then his comprehension was like off the charts. He knew all the answers versus another kid was reading so fast. He couldn't even like get the questions. Cause he didn't know he, he didn't even stop at periods. It was like, Whoa, okay. we have got a model. What slowing down. Means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's really interesting that's a thing I mean that's kind of like fluency is relative if you think about it I mean you and I are fluent readers but if someone were to put a high level you know physics textbook college level or graduate level textbook in front of us we probably wouldn't read it fluently but we would know that we'd need to vary what our reading rate, depending on what we are reading. And that's something, you know, we need to discuss with our students too is that there's some texts that we'll be able to read faster um, and that's okay. And then there's some texts where we're going to have to slow down and good readers know when to slow down and, and, and break, you know, break apart what they're reading. Yes, that's so true. I laugh one of the stories. I feel like we've had OTRs in our district forever. So you probably remember this story called, um, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Oh, oh, polar, polar moon and polar star, whatever. And like the kids don't have a lot of on that. So then well, we give kids background knowledge and then we practice fluency. It all turns out to be okay. So that's another, that's a whole nother topic, but so true. Yep. (laughs) Yes. All right. So you have a new fluency program. I want you to tell my readers all about it. And also while you're talking about it, what are some tips to help kids with their fluency in the classroom and at home? And I'm sure your fluency program would be a great choice. I do. I have a program called flow reading fluency, and it's basically like a comprehensive, fluency program it contains all of the resources and it contains training for teachers so they can use the resources and gives information and the research behind um, the components of the program and why you're doing these things Um, for flu, there's so many ways to improve reading fluency and um, the best way is for repeated reading so when students read something over and over and over again, even if it's just five times, um, their their reading fluency is gonna improve, especially if that text is at their instructional level. So it does take a little work to make sure you're matching students with texts that are at their instructional level. Um, But then there's other ways to improve reading fluency too. And that's um, with choral reading, reader's theater. Um, I have some like text phrase uh, lessons that teach students exactly how to phrase text. and models it for them. Um, I love using audio assisted reading. So having, you know, using a audio book while students read along and listen along, that's a huge um, advantage and, and pretty powerful for students as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's just so much out there. It's really getting students to read. And the more, of course, they read, the more their um, word, their sight word vocabulary increases, Um, the more they can hear fluent models, that's really critical for prosody. That's, that's essential for learning the intonation, all those things that we do naturally, the scooping of words. Um, We need a model or provide a model for students for fluency. That's great. Now, where can my listeners find your fluency program? Um, it's, you could go to flow reading It's, um, the way it works is it's like an open enrollment period. So we have like a cohort of teachers that joins every three or four months because it is a professional development. It's not just a intervention program. It's a full professional development. And so we kind of all are like in the same, boat starting uh, when we have like our open enrollment period. And so it's closed for enrollment now, but it will um, open in a few months. Um, and then, yeah, that so was like all together on this little learning journey as uh, teachers use the program and start working with their students. That's so great. So I know a lot of teachers, we ask our kids to read for 20 or 30 minutes at home Um, what can you tell parents on how to help a struggling reader with that 20 minutes, 30 minute reading so that it's not like the worst time of their life? (laughs) Um, I think, you know, really getting excited about like the whole reading experience and not putting pressure. I, 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 Um, one thing my daughter and I do, and I love that you're doing this now, I see you um, posting your library card, but we make like a, a little experience about going to our public library. She loves it. So it's nothing big. We don't do anything special. It's just, you know, her and I going to the library and she gets to pick out all these books and I've showed her, we go online and she knows how to make like, you know, choose books to have transferred over to the library or she'll go on like, and I let her read, anything. She loves graphic novels. Do I get upset that she's reading only graphic novels? Nope, I don't. Because she eventually wants more. Um so we definitely are like have a variety of what she reads, but I don't like get down on her if she's been reading graphic novels for a couple of weeks. She'll usually kind of need a little something else. It's just like a natural progression and she'll read a couple chapter books. And then she gets her fill of that, and that becomes a little heavy and intense, and she goes back to her graphic novels, which she will read over and over and over again, which is another thing I would encourage parents not to shy away from. It's okay if you're – it's actually amazing if your child wants to read that same Dog Man book over and over and over again. I think it's really good. That's so awesome. What grade is your daughter in again? She's in third oh my, the best grade ever now. <laughs> it is. I know. And I get to work in her class. I'm doing some of the fluency work with some of her students in the class and it's like the best. I'm like, oh, I should have been in third grade. I should have taught third grade. It was it's I know, great. They love school. And that's definitely what has filled my bucket this year. Like, I'm like, okay, we're going to do grammar now. And they're like, yay. Oh, it's such a sweet age. I love it. it. I love it too. Oh my gosh. Totally sidetracked. And Um, I didn't have this question when I prepared this, but Dog Man. I've had a lot of parents reach out to me and say, wow, it's kind of an intense book. I personally have never read Dog Man. Um, What do you say about those books that some families are like, we're good, and other families are like, go ahead, it's a graphic novel. They wouldn't put it out if it wasn't okay for kids. You know, that's tough because everyone has – their own like values of what's appropriate and inappropriate for students. I have not read a dog man novel. My daughter will read a few things to me and nothing's like jumped out at me as being inappropriate, but um, Mm -hmm. you never know. I'm not like a huge, you know, I definitely try to find the balance of like exposing her to things and like protecting her from stuff. So I feel like, you know, there are things she doesn't, you know, books are pretty much, I just like, that's free reign for me. We don't do a lot of, you know, iPad stuff or apps or things like that. So that's like, honestly, my concern. I'm not really worried about, you know, a few silly things in a, in the book, you know, in those dog band books, but, you know, I guess if, She's been reading them for a really long time. Maybe they probably weren't appropriate for her in first grade, but she hadn't said anything or done anything that made me question them. So I, you know, that's definitely a choice that every parent needs to make um, for their own, their own children. But I mean, personally, I don't have a problem with it. I agree. And I'm so on team, like, let's read books. Let's not go on an iPad. Exactly. Yeah. Again, another topic for another day. I know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We could just be on here all day changing the world. Seriously. All right. So what advice can you give to new parents of elementary age children on how to help with reading so that their child feels confident and their parent also feels like they were successful being a parent? Um, I just think that it's it's really important to not not push the issue so much where it becomes this negative thing. Um, so making it as enjoyable as possible, even if it's just like we're gonna go to the library, we're gonna both get books, or you know, parent and the child are gonna get books. Then we're gonna go to the park and we're just gonna read for twenty minutes. Kind of making it like light, like making it like an experience. And having those positive associations with reading is, I think, for a family, the most important. So, you know, they're always telling you in the day one of your child, you want to read to them. And I think that's that e- experiential um, component that parents can easily provide that really makes the biggest difference. So I don't think we need to push them to read a certain you know, number of books or read, you know, we want it, I I want it to come as organically as possible. Um, And for me, I have just always made it like, this is a fun experience. And I'm so fortunate that my daughter loves to read, but I think it just comes from like, it just, it's a light and fun uh, thing in our household, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are some students who do need certain interventions and, I think for parents, it is hard to work with your own child. You can be a teacher and trying to work with your own child. And that is, you know, difficult for a teacher. I have teacher friends who they're like, no way I have to hire a tutor because it's just a different dynamic. So you have to be kind of aware of this, you know, the parent-child dynamic when teaching them or trying to actually intervene. Um, So definitely ask their classroom teacher about, what's the best thing I can do? Every child's different, of course, but what's the best thing I can do for my my child at home? And it could be just reading with them, even if it's only for 10 or 15 minutes. I love that. I think the whole reading experience is so important. And I love how so many of my friends, like, they'll be like, oh yeah, we read this book tonight, or we did this and making an experience. Like you said, going to the library and having it be fun and letting your children see you reading in the home and if they struggle read to them and make it just such a great experience for kids, which I think is really good advice and just kind of take the pressure off because they're going to get the pressure at school, unfortunately, in some areas. So at home, I think it should be more like you're saying light and airy. Yeah. I mean, there, there will be pressure. It's, it's so funny because um, my daughter reads, an insane amount uh but she has no motivation to take i forget if they use ar or reading counts i think they take ar quizzes so she gets this little letter coming home and it says your child is not meeting the percentage of ar points that they're supposed to have so they you know he or she might miss out on the i forgot what the part like an ice cream party And so I just showed her, I'm like, I don't really care if you take these quizzes or not. I know you're reading. I mean, you just read Harry Potter. You could probably get all of your points from that book if you just took a quiz on it. She just doesn't even, it doesn't register like, oh, I should go take a quiz. So she forgets and doesn't, just not important. But of course, the idea of her missing out on a. I'm all. the only reason you might want to do this is if you're going to be fine with missing out on this like ice cream party or whatever. So I like personally don't care. And luckily her grade or nothing is based on those. AR points, but I just kind of chuckled, like in a way she was being penalized because she was not going to be able to attend this party because they're using this program to motivate students to read, but she's already there. (laughs) She's already motivated to read. So I just thought it was interesting. Like, you know, sometimes we can get like parents can get really hung up. I know when I was teaching, we didn't use AR, but we used reading counts and we had a lot of parents who were so hung up on how many points their child had. Um, And I felt like that was such a heavy experience for students to be like under this pressure to get a certain amount of like reading points or whatever. Yes. We won't go into that topic with me either. because (laughs) Another rabbit hole. (laughs) Yes. Oh gosh. Okay. I'll just keep my mouth shut about that. (laughs) All right. So since you're not in the classroom anymore, how do you stay current on best practices for reading? Um, I love my reading membership journals, like um, the Inter, uh, International Literacy Association is maybe my favorite. I love reading every article that comes from there. Um, I and I do work in my daughter's classroom. It's just something it, it helps me. I love it because I mean, it's so awesome to just be in her classroom and kind of watching her and and having that experience. But it's so nice to just be working with students a couple times a week. And it keeps me on my toes. It reminds me of exactly how amazingly challenging it is to be a teacher. Um, And it just, you know, always, it's always a really great experience to work with. I usually work with struggling students. And for me, that's like, my sweet spot. I love it, and it it's just super fulfilling. That's awesome. Well, you know, if you have any more time, I welcome you into my class. from I would love to. Nine ten to Oh, look at you and your schedule. I love it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I anytime you're always welcome. You're so. But I would love to. Uh-huh. Thanks. So for the international literacy. Literacy Association. I love them so much. Have you ever been to a conference or would you ever like to go to their conference? I would love to go. I haven't been. I think maybe I went once when I was like getting my credential, but um, I haven't been. I would love to go. It's the most amazing experience ever. I was talking with our new reading, I don't know what her title is. She's not like the director, but she's like one below the director Mm -hmm. at our. PD we had this week. And we were both like geeking out so much about the conference. I go, it was like four days of heaven. Oh, like, Okay. The is this rude. the one you went, it was like in Texas or no? Yes. That was the one yes, I went to in Texas. I remember then, when you went. Yes. The one that's coming in 2020 is in Dayton, Ohio. And I asked, I said, would our district pay for it? And she said, email me. So she didn't say no. <laughs> that's good. Don't stop asking. Doesn't hurt to ask. Yes, yeah, so 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 oh so fun. So speaking of picture books, what do you think is the picture book that every classroom needs today? Um gosh, there's so many good ones. I I'm always drawn to this one and the reason why and it's so funny because I know it's a favorite of yours too is Thank You Mr. Falker and <gasps> I know. My sister so when I first started teaching, my first year of teaching, I had nothing and my sister is a teacher. She um, my, she's older. And so she's been teaching before I did, but she's she, like, she was like always into picture books. And, um, and she gave me, that was my first book for like my classroom library. And she's like, you have to read this on day one of your, um, of, you know, of school, first day of school. And I, I kept that book and I, oh, it was my, always my first day of school book to read was Thank You, Mr. Falker, and it just set the tone for the school year of how we all learn in different ways, and we all have different strengths, and um I still, I look at it, the cover, and it just makes me happy. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that story. It makes me so happy, because I always read it on the first day or like the first week, because you yeah. know how like the first day just flies, uh, yes. and Patricia has never had um, a lack of words in any of her books, so... Yeah. No, it's a, yeah, it's such a good book. It's, and it is is perfect. I mean, it's perfect for any time, but it's, um, it's great for the beginning of the school year. And actually I, I know it's only one picture book, but this one that sticks with me is I used it with strategies that work, um, it it provides lesson plans on teaching comprehension using picture books. And there's one in there called tight times, and it's a Mm -hmm. really short picture book, It is a really good one, too. And it's basically told from the perspective of a really young child and seeing some financial hardships with his family. So again, a heavy topic, but something that like you can just dive in so deeply with this and comprehension skills. I mean, modeling comprehension and inference. That's a really good one for like a really targeted guided reading lesson or a shared reading lesson. That's one of my favorites, too oh and I don't know that one I love when you when I have listeners on here or guests on here and you share a picture book I don't know it's like the best feeling in the world it's so it's a good one you'll like it it's so perfect for comprehension I mean oh, okay. for, uh, for inference to teach specifically to teach inference oh that's good because inference is so hard for fifth grade and oh, it's geez. like really hard for third grade for sure oh that's awesome so awesome all right, so now I just have some quick confetti rapid questions. Just give me like the first thing you think of, think of, and there's only four, so don't worry. <laughs> All right, number 1. What is your all-time favorite picture book that gave you a confetti moment? Um, for sure, thank you Mr. Faulkner, Faulkner. Um, and Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of this other one that I love. In fact, I was just packing up some stuff in my office and I saw it. Oh, it's heavy. Like I almost cry. I, I'm going to have to like email you. It's, it's about these elephants actually in, it might be too heavy for a third grade, but it's about these elephants in a zoo um, in Japan, like before or when the um, like the, the, uh, bombings happened for world during world war ii i'm gonna have to look it up and i'm so annoyed that i'm blanking on it but it is like oh my goodness it is it covers so many ugh, just like super deep topics and it's like beyond touching i'm gonna try is- to google it while i'm on the well i know i'm trying to google it too <laughs> so everyone just Keep don't mind us let's see who can find it first <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so um, annoyed. It is Faithful Elephant. Oh, yep. That's it. Bam. Oh, like you will bawl your eyes out. I, it's heavy, but it's so good. Okay. Wait, I want to see the cover because I feel like, oh, I've seen that somewhere. I just don't it, know. it's. what It could, I mean, it might be a little too much. I read it to my fifth graders. I, you could read this to middle school teacher, or middle school students, high school students. And like just get so much out of it it could you could go in like a thousand different directions as far as topics and oh so good yep that's That's what it is so I feel like my computer's listening to me because I already put it in my Amazon cart and then I look down and it's like customers who shop for faithful elephants also shop for and tight times is right there oh no way oh yeah I see tight times too they're for sure you know like Tight times isn't as heavy, but um, but yeah, faithful elephants is it's a bit much, <laughs> but I awesome. mean, you know, but it's great for a middle school teacher to read it. In which I think there's picture books for every grade, so look at there, we're you know changing the world, yep, for sure. All right, so speaking about more picture books, what picture book can you not wait to come out in 2020? So, the Dolly Lama, did you know that the Dalai Lama is writing a picture book? I did not. Yeah. It's called The Seed of Compassion. And I'm Yeah. It's like gonna be perfect for you right up your alley. Girl, you're but, killing me today. I know. It's all about like uh compassion and kindness and um you know, he's just an amazing person. So he's never made any kind of picture book and the illustrations look so the illustrator I think is Bao Lu. Um, just amazing illustrations and I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be beautiful. It comes out March 24th. I've already it up. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. All right. So I love celebrating teachers and I think it's so important. Like you said earlier, our job is so hard and we work so hard and we don't get enough recognition. I'm just going to put it out there. So please share with me about a teacher who changed your life as a person. I had, um, I had a teacher, a fifth grade teacher and his name was Mr. Thorson. He was the only male teacher I think I had, which doesn't matter, but it was, you know, it just a different experience. Um, but he, I, I was in fifth grade and the, the years before, so math was something I have never, like I struggled with. And so at the year before I was in a class where, I just remember it being a negative experience math wise and having, um, I remember we had, I was basically like put in like a third or second grade math book and, you know, I'm here, I am a fourth grader. So it affected me. I just remember, don't remember the details, but of course I remember the feeling. And, um, and then I went to his class and I don't know what happened. I just again, the memories are foggy, but the feeling is like so vivid of him, uh, just making me feel like I could do it. And I figured it out. It was like my best year ever. I had this huge growth and was like at grade level and and just felt like successful. And so it always kind of reminds me that like, you know, you hear that quote, like the students won't remember all those specific things you've done, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. And it is so a hundred Absolutely. 100%. Oh, I just had all the chills go up my heart. Oh. That was just so great. Um, so I feel like you and I are very similar in this way. So I wanted to know, what is your favorite way to stay organized? I, so I'm not a paper pencil planner type person. I love two free apps that are on the computer that I use. And I'm sure you've probably heard of them or you might even be using them. One is Trello. And that's just a cool, like keep projects and you could basically use it to organize almost anything. And then I love Airtable for organizing um, mm-hmm. information. It's just, it's kind of like Excel that's super user-friendly and way more features. And they're both free. So I don't even use the paid versions and I, I you can use them to collaborate. So it's kind of cool if you're a teacher, you can actually have, Trello boards with other teachers, um, or you can have Airtable, um, they're called bases, Airtable bases with other teachers. So you can use it to collaborate. Um, And it's just, it's great for organizing information. You can even like upload files to both platforms or images. And um, those are, and and the cool thing about it is that they both um, are super mobile friendly. So I can always, like if I have to add something or take make a note or add a to-do list, I can just grab my phone. And both of them are right there, and the, the apps work perfectly. I love that. I did not know either of them. I thought you were going to say iCalendar because at 9 o'clock, I heard your little calendar go off, and I thought, oh, that's probably to record with me, but we were already recording. <laughs> I know. I turned my, I was like, darn it. I turned my, uh, my, my notifications off after that. Oh, my gosh. I love <laughs> it. I was like, yeah. Nine o'clock, here we are.
1: (laughs) I do love a good
0: calendar, though. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Me too. And I actually just, like, it's probably been a year, and I switched over to iCalendar on my phone because I used to be a paper pencil. Yeah. And, like, all my friends would make fun of me, like, well, we can't know if Courtney can come until she goes home and checks her planner. (laughs) So I got with the times, and now I'm, like, never going back. It's so nice to have everything on my phone. It is. I mean, there is something to be said about, like, writing things down, but... Oh, certain yes. things. Like I just need it to be digital. Yeah. Like my planner for school is all still paper, pencil, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day, but where can my confetti moments listeners find you? Cause you are just such a wealth of information. Oh, well, my website is teacherthrive.com. and I have, sorry, I have my cat here. If you, <laughs> if you hear purring, um, is teacherthrive.com And I, on Instagram at teacher thrive, same thing for Facebook. Um, But yeah, I have a ton of free resources on my blog. And then I have a teacher thrive shop that has a ton of free resources in it as well. You can go to shop teacher thrive. Um, But yeah, plenty of plenty of things to find. That is so awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. And I love how we were both able to help my listeners just learn more about fluency. And you're such a gift to the world. I'm so thankful that I know you and I hope you just have a really good day. Oh, Courtney, thank you. I feel exactly the same way. You are seriously just such a gift to the teachers that you, you know, that you reach every day on Instagram. And I'm now that you're doing this podcast, I'm like, just so excited for you. And of course, the people who are going to benefit from it. Yay. Thank you. Well, have a great day. And I'm sure we will chat soon. Thanks, Courtney. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the Confetti Moments podcast. I hope each story or tip you heard today brings the love of reading into your heart. Take this confetti and sprinkle it all over the children in your classroom or home. See you back here next Monday to open the magic.